Mind Your Farm Business on realagriculture.com is brought to you by RBC Royal Bank. Welcome to the Mind Your Farm Business podcast brought to you by RBC Royal Bank. I'm Sean Haney, founder of realagriculture.com and host of Real Ag Radio on Rural Radio 147. You can find more episodes of this podcast by going to mindyourfarmbusiness.com. Today's topic on the Mind Your Farm Business podcast is creating and maintaining your grain marketing plan. Farmers and ranchers work so hard to grow the crop and raise the livestock. It's a career that requires long hours, days in the cold, and confronting many variables that are completely out of your control. How you market your production can be the difference between profit or loss in any given year. The margins in agriculture are not fat enough to be a lazy marketer. We need to be just as sharp in our marketing and risk management as we are at stand establishment or feeding efficiency. Today, we're going to talk to Mark Lepp. He's the founder and CEO of FarmLink Marketing Solutions. He's based in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Mark and his team assist growers in grain marketing with different levels of support depending on their individual needs. So let's dive deeper into this critical issue of the marketing plan. Hey, Mark, how's it going today? Things are pretty good. Weather's nice and uh, markets are okay. So, yeah, <laughs> my life is good. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. You know, we, we, we spend so much time through the growing season focused on, on our crops and trying to, you know, hope we have a decent harvest from a yield standpoint and quality. And, and then we move into the winter where so much of the focus becomes the marketing. And, it, and grain marketing isn't necessarily just a winter activity. It's a it's a 12-month activity now if you really want to do it properly. Uh, you're in the business of assisting growers with grain marketing plans. From, from your standpoint, when you're trying to build that grain marketing plan, what are some of the fundamentals you have to keep in mind? Well, some of the things that we really, you know, if uh, you know, when a farmer comes to us and, and signs on as a new client, you know, we look at uh, marketing as a holistic approach. Like we, we, most of our business uh, and our clients are based in Western Canada. So, we market, uh, we give advice and consultation on about 17 or 18 different crops and then all the different types of those crops like lentils would have a couple of different uh, types of that as an example. Um, so we kind of look at it as a portfolio approach. So, and, and we typically look at things in a, like a two-year window. You said a year, um, like usually you can start uh, looking, you know, if there's market signals, you know, the, you would start looking at that uh, even a year before that crop is... Uh, is harvested and then you've got uh, a year you know we we always try to have the bins empty by the time the next harvest starts and uh, uh, which gives us a lot of time to to sell in increments manage risk etc you know some of the the real you know as we get to know a farm like you know to to understand the you know the the dynamics of the farm is really important so that we can marry the the the, the market um, aspects of their portfolio you know the various crops that they're growing and kind of marry the market dynamics to the market to the dynamics of the farm. So, you know, things like risk tolerance are really important. You know, what the farm uh, owner or, or their management team, you know, what their risk tolerance is. You know, cash flow is important too to make sure that uh, you know the, the worst call that we ever get is you know I need X amount of money uh, in the next two weeks to to pay off my chemical bill or something like that. You know, so we really try to plan ahead. So that when the market signals that it's time for us to sell, uh, that we address all the constraints of that farm. You know, cash flow is one, risk tolerance is another, storage is for sure one as we get into harvest. You know, I know a lot of growers this year had, 
maybe not uh, bumper crops from some struggles going into harvest. So maybe storage wasn't a huge issue this year, but uh, some years, uh, hopefully, hopefully most years, it is a it is an issue. So try to, you know, take all those constraints of a farm and uh, and make sure they're addressed well in advance so that they you don't you know have to. Uh, um, sell under pressure. Yeah, like there's there's like the well in an ideal world I would do this, but my reality based on some of those things you just hit on, I I can't do that. And it reminds me of a discussion I had a couple weeks ago on our Real Ag radio show on Sirius where uh, we did a farmer panel and one of the farmers said, "Listen, I sell all of my pulses right off the combine." And I know that may not be the best way to do it. And I know you're probably thinking that's lazy from a marketing standpoint. But quite frankly, that's my reality because I need the cash at that time when that's the crop I chose because I'm getting it off first. And I, I just need the cash to get through harvest. So we're, we're, we, all have, we all have these restrictions that don't allow us to have you know, follow through on that ideal plan. Um, now, some growers, I think, still... When we talk about building a marketing plan, they think it's about you know trying to get the trying to find that top of the market, which can be a really really dangerous main focus of your strategy. Oh yeah, no, that's a dangerous focus because you only know when you know it, where the top is after it's passed. Um, and um, you know, to, you, typically when the night when the market is dropping, that's you know the the time where you resist the sale the most because you, you just missed it. Um, you know we. You know, by by default, you know how we look at marketing is is risk management, and you know we we've got what we call a, a sales dashboard where we've uh, you know it, it changes regularly. But uh, you know today, as an example, I would have you know for all of our 16 or 17 different crops that we market, you know uh, windows broken down of of when we anticipate the next sales uh, for both old crop and new crop based on the reasons that we have, and then that allows you know so by with a risk management approach by selling four to six times throughout a calendar year, you're uh, you're never going to sell at the high. But the, the goal is, uh, you know, to to get in the top third of that range of the prices that are available to you over that time. So, you know, in that situation, if I, if you're selling, if if you typically sell all of your pulses or say all of your lentils off the combine because you need the cash, um, the way you know certainly cash flow is a is a constraint or a uh, or a, or just the dynamic of the far, of a lot of farms. So the way we look at that is, okay, if you're growing lentils, let's say durum, wheat, canola, you know, peas, so you've got five different crops that you're growing, you need cash. Uh, of that portfolio, which of those crops, uh, over the span of what your marketing window is, it might be 12 months or 24 months, depends on your storage and your, and your risk appetite, uh, you know, which of those crops has the least chance of, of upside and which has the, you know, alternatively, which has the most chance of, a, you know, gaining value as you store it. And um, so although you might be constrained to, you know, needing a certain amount of uh, money before November 31st or whatever the date is in the, in the fall, you, um, you know, we would look at, you know, maybe, maybe selling, you know, not to sell all of your canola at that time would be something we would normally recommend. But in that portfolio of canola has, the least upside, then we would say, well, let's look at moving more of your canola and storing those lentils because the lentils do the, you know, it might be something going on with India. Maybe those those uh, tensions are easing or maybe, you know, d- different market dynamics are at play where to store the, 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 that, you know, in that, in that example that you just gave, you know, to store the, 
the, the pulse is, is a way better opportunity because it has much more upside on a relative basis compared to the canola, as I, as I explained. Yeah. Now, sometimes I hear from the audience of real agriculturists where I'm very cautious pre-harvest. So, you know, you get pre-selling. Like I've sold X amount of my 2020 crop and I haven't even I haven't even put it in the ground yet. It's it's still like a concept, but I, I like the price at mm-hmm. this given time, and depending on what the crop is and, and, and the year. When you're building that plant, how, how aggressive is there? Any rules of thumb to follow in terms of uh, pre-selling when you you don't even know really what your your yield is because we haven't even planted the crop yet? Yeah, I guess it depends on the crop. You know, if it's a futures-based crop and the signal is aggressive, you know, um, where that uh, you know we're we're seeing record highs, and we saw that a couple of years ago with the wheat market where we saw some record high prices in the middle of the summer. Um, and you know, the, it was a, uh, challenging discussion to recommend, you know, going heavily, you know, more heavily sold, uh, because of that production risk. So, you know, if it's a futures based uh, commodity like wheat or corn or canola, um, there are different hedging tools that can be used, uh, which helps reduce the production risk that, that there is, um, you know, but you're right. Sometimes, you know, as, you know, as we just saw the last summer, uh, production risk is, is is enormous at times, and to yeah. be more heavily sold, you, the last thing you want to do is to be able to have to uh, buy back contracts as the market is rising because that gets expensive as well. So there, you know there are a couple of different insurance programs that can help with uh, managing that risk out there. There's uh, certainly futures and options and hedging is, but if it's a crop like uh, pulses uh, or crops with no futures market behind it. Um, you know, we you know to what you'd want to do, or what we would normally do in that case, if this price signal was that strong that it's time to sell, or that it looks like it's time to sell, we would, you know, ease into it and then and then more aggressively sell as as harvest gets closer. You know, maybe in uh, if you're sitting here in January, February, you'd make a 20 or 25 percent sale because you know even in a disaster year, you'll get something, and then. Uh, and then sell as as that crop gets closer to certainty. Yeah, you, you had mentioned selling throughout the year, trying to get to that, you know, being that upper third from an average price perspective. Is, is any hard and fast rules on on the intervals of that? Like I've got, you know, twenty. I, I just move up in twenty percent increments, or or how, is is that really depend on the crop and the year? It depends on the market signals and the strength of the mar- of that sale. Um, you know, we. Uh, you know, a year ago, uh, just before the, uh, um, you know, the Chinese, uh, you know, um, had their, uh, um, you know, it, it introduced their, their barriers for canola into China, uh, you know, you could see that coming for a while with, uh, with the arrests that were made and, and the political fallout from that, you know. So that, you know, normally we would want to, you know, from our strategy, we would want to keep a, a sale or, or maybe two, but at least the one sale of uh, like a small percentage, whether it's 10% or 20% from say May till July, just for some, and you know, usually there was a little bit of a blip with weather concerns or, or, you know, some kind of weather issue or that uh, where you want to capitalize on that, that, that opportunity at the end of the year. Um, but with, you know, that signal at that time with the, with the political problems with China, you know, we went to 100% sold in January uh, before the tariffs were announced um, because that was a signal and that was really more aggressive than normal. So to your question, normally, in a normal year, if you've got uh, 
kind of a whole uh, whole home market with normal activity, yeah, you would you would look at you know making a sale, you know, whether it's ten percent or twenty percent, and 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 now and, and you know going into you know the planning period, say okay, well today I'm probably going to do five to seven sales uh, throughout the course of this eighteen months, uh, and um, you know know where your profit levels are, uh, and uh, you know if if the markets are you know today the markets aren't necessarily all that exciting in in generalities. Uh, and profit levels are really tight, uh, you know, where, where margins are really tight. So, you know, if, if you're in an environment like today with tough margins, uh, and, and every time you see that, that market bump above your your uh, your break-even price and you're putting some extra money in the bank, while at the same time addressing things like you talked mm-hmm. about, you know, if I need, need cash flow in the fall or storage might be a problem, um, you know, to address, address those needs uh, on an ongoing basis. So... Um, yeah, generally, yes, uh, a conservative, you know, five times, to, uh, you know, 20% sales, uh, but to, you know, to have the ability and the, um, uh, you know, the ability in your marketing plan to react quickly if something um, happens, whether it's political or whether, you know, to, to capitalize on that. We'll have more of my conversation with Mark Lepp, but first a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Mind Your Farm Business Podcast is brought to you by RBC. Today's producers are thinking hard about where they want to go and what moves to make to get them there. A business plan is your roadmap to success. Without one, it's easy to get lost along the way. You can count on the services and expertise RBC offers to help you meet your business goals and chart a course to success. Visit rbc.com slash chart your course to find an agriculture account manager near you. Okay, so let's talk about tools. And let's use corn as the example. We've got, you know, obviously you can do like forward delivery contracts that are priced. You've got the futures market. You've got things like options. There's a lot of tools at your disposal. How do you, how do you figure out what's the best tool for your strategy in that given year? There, I guess it depends on your comfort level with, with some of those different opportunities. You know, there is, you know we do work with growers uh, with hedging uh, advice and strategies, using all of those things, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, you know, forward contracts or, or uh, a combination of forward contracts and futures and options. In the event, like you, you know, the last example of, you know, how do you sell if you don't know what the crop is? A crop like corn is a, is a, is a, I wouldn't say easy, but it's a, there's lots of opportunities to use, you know, to to, to hedge uh, using the, the tools that are available. The challenge with that is, you know, I guess it depends on on the, your comfort level with those different tools. Um, you know, for example, if you're not, uh, you know, a true hedge, uh, you know, you you're, and you're selling your first 20% of the market, you've actually, you really hope the market goes up uh, for the rest of your crop. So, um, you know, an understanding of what it means to, you know, sell futures to lock in your, you know, your 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 price, and you know, if you have a delivery contract with just the basis, um, you know, so that you know it's going to get delivered. You know what your what your what your price is going to be, but recognize that um, as you um, you know you might in that certain in that illustration you might get more when you deliver that crop, but you might be paying out in your futures account. So some of it is as an education, working with a good uh, broker to uh, help you through that uh, through through that crop year, or or even that just a transaction to to you know make sure you're comfortable with. Um, with with what all of the possibilities are of that of that hedging tool and uh, and, and and you know lock in lock in your profits with that it's uh, you know. 
Well, and also when you when you talk about the, I just thought of this is that also being disciplined enough to remember you're you're trying to manage your risk. You're not trying to set up a trading account. You're not running a hedge fund. You're you're trying to manage your risk. Yes, and that is the number. Yeah, that's you know a lot a lot of times as we talk to new customer or new customers for our hedging um, training. You know, we do a lot of training on on explaining what hedging is and and those different things. The number one comment we get is, oh, I remember when I, you know, I traded with, uh, uh, you know, and how much money that cost me. You know, I had to write a check for 20 grand for my trading account. Uh, but, but that's very different than a, than a true hedge, right? You, you might be putting money into your hedging account to, to offset the, the losses on your hedge, but you've gained all that back on the, on the cash side. So, yeah, you're right. It's, uh, there's a, there is a difference between a, 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 a hedging and uh, speculating. If you've got a full feedlot full of cattle, so you're long inventory, and you're also long the, the, the live cattle market, you're not hedging. <laughs> you're, you're just double bullish is no. what you are. <laughs> yeah yeah and and yeah that's very much and, and you know and and the tendency for all of us in agriculture especially you know um in the production side of things is you always we're always bullish right it's going to be a bigger crop and we're not you know we're not selling everything because we want the market to go up so it's it's it takes discipline to you know to to manage the the risk in a disciplined approach so you're not uh you know you're not uh shooting with both barrels, so to speak. Yeah. Now, whether you're doing this on your own or you're working with an advisor, I, I would think you have to complete that feedback loop and kind of look back at the decisions that you made when you made them and not doing 2020 hindsight, but evaluating the decisions that you made and, and kind of do a bit of a review. Is that an important component? Oh, very much. Yeah. That's how we learn and, and get better. You know, you know, every time, um, you know, after every crop year, you know, it's important to, you know, go, you're right, like go through the calendar of, okay, I made this decision to sell this crop at this time. And here are the reasons that I uh, documented, hopefully they're documented and, uh, and test them. Yeah. Okay. Well that, that uh, you know, if you're, if your goal is, you know, to, to continue to, you know, to, to get better on the marketing side uh, by managing risk and, and selling with, with uh, you know, more education in, in that selling decision, you know, to, you're right. Hindsight is 2020, but you should. You know, there's things that you can learn. You know, some things there's things that can that are totally outside of your um, thought process, whether it's you know politics or weather. Um, but um, you know, even with those, you can learn from that. You know, what happens if India puts uh, you know uh, makes it more difficult for us to sell pulses in there? What happened last time? And then react accordingly. You know, uh, you know when you're in that moment of that firestorm. Um, you know, you make the best decision you can, but those, what you learn from that, it will help you the next time that that comes through. So that could be, you know, in that case, a tariff or, uh, or even if, um, you know, we have weather problems that persist all like in a, in a wider geography that, you know, where, where the supply is in, uh, impacted what happened this year. And then so that the next time that happens, you know, how do I react uh, to make, uh, you know, to make margins better and so on with a better, higher average. Yeah, and you just pointed out something that I think is, is a really critical point is as you're making those marketing decisions inside your grain marketing plan or, or livestock marketing plan, make sure you write make some notes, keep like a, a trade journal, right? Yeah. Or a risk management journal where you're, you're essentially saying, okay, here's what I'm doing and here's why I'm making this decision. So you, you can get better and, and learn from some of those things. Cause sometimes we like, I have no idea what I was thinking. 
why I mm-hmm. sold 40% of my soybean crop in February. I have no clue why I did it. I'm not sure. If you had those notes in that journal, you could refer back and be like, okay, it was the right decision at the time because you know we, I knew this. I wasn't aware of this that happened in June. So I think that's a really, really key point. Yeah, it is, you know, and, you know, the, uh, you know, marketing is always, you know, kind of hindsight or rear view looking, right? You're always wrong. You either sold not enough at the right time or too much at the wrong time. And, you know, that that is more so the case if if you sell in larger chunks, which therefore means greater risk in your marketing plan. You know, the more, you know, we talked about increments earlier, the more increments you have in your marketing plan greatly reduces the risk that uh you know that you're making mistakes because there just are always things that we underappreciate or overappreciate in making that decision yeah. and again yeah by by diarizing that uh it'll help uh learn for that you know for the next crop year as we go through you know the different circumstances how that happens and uh you know it's uh you know and you know for sure you know a more risk management approach with more more sales or or more tool using more tools at your disposal um, certainly help uh, manage that risk a, a little bit better. Okay, and you know what? Th- there's people that follow the tick by tick movement of the market, and even they are surprised on which direction things head. They're not right all the time because if they were right all the time, they wouldn't. <laughs> they wouldn't be writing a newsletter providing commentary because they would uh, just sure. make their millions in, in the market. So let, let's just finish off here from a research perspective. The I would think there'd be a benefit to reading and seeking opinion on both sides of the trade. You know, people that are bearish, people that are bullish, to get an idea to form your own opinion as opposed to participating in confirmation bias, just searching for someone to support what you what you did or want to do. Is that fair? I'd say that would be fair. And, and just make sure, yeah, and, and to that, you know, make sure you're aware of the bias of those that are providing that information, right? Like if, you know, if I'm, buying grain my bias is certainly to my position and 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 on the other side as well so you know i you know i'm on our side of the table what we talk about is unbiased information and whether it's you know farm link or or you know other sources uh, through the you know through online or or paid for um you know base you know it would be important to know the bias of those uh of the research because uh, that uh you know that sways how how um, how that message would get delivered, or the focus of the recommendations, and yeah, uh, yeah and, and and multiple sources can't hurt at all because it gives uh, you know a signal should be a signal um, to sell or to buy, and uh, and um, you know, but but it, the the intricacies of of how an analyst or comes to that recommendation would be different between different analysts for sure. Yeah, sometimes if it, I even really geek out and you know, I, I'll pay attention to some of the fundamental analysis, but then I'll jump over and read some technical, what some of the technical people are saying too, that uh, even mm-hmm. confuses you even more sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, all yeah, good. Yeah. Hey, Mark, this has been awesome. I really do appreciate you joining us here on the Mind Your Farm Business Podcast and I look forward to talking to you again soon. You bet. Thank you very much, Sean. Too many times, grain and livestock marketing is full of false objectives. Trying to hit the top of the market, perfect timing, and not knowing costs to determine acceptable pricing levels. No one can market a commodity perfectly. In fact, the markets humble even the most expert of professionals. With focus, commitment, and a solid plan, you'll be on the right path to improving on this incredibly important task of marketing. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion. If you have any feedback, please email me at shaney at realagriculture.com 
or call the Real Egg Listener line at 855-776-6147. I would love to hear your stories, comments, or questions on this topic of building and executing a grain or livestock marketing plan. What has worked for you and what has not? For more episodes of Mind Your Farm Business, you can go to mindyourfarmbusiness.com. Check us out on iTunes. And once again, thanks to RBC Royal Bank. And until next time, keep on minding your farm business.